Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Jay McCauley Show, brought to you by RJ Rockers. I'm Jim Noble, along with Wofford Terrier head basketball coach Jay McCauley. Normally, I say, Jay, how you doing? Uh, eight and four in the conference, five, or eight and four overall, five and one in the conference, four road wins in the conference. I think I know how you and the Terriers are doing. How are you? Yeah, we're doing great, Jim. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to this week. We got a lot to get better at, and obviously uh, a few games ahead of us that uh, we're going to have to be even better. So we're looking forward to the challenge. Before we kind of go back to where we last left off, uh, talk to me about having, uh, unless something's changed, a week off in between games. I always have to preface those remarks because of the way this crazy season has been. But at this stage of the season, and we're already a third of the way through the conference season, if you can believe it, uh, to have a full week off in between games, what does it do for your team, both mentally and physically at this point? Yeah, you can look at it a few different ways. Number one, for me as a coach, it's a way for us to get better in a lot of areas we need to and rest physically and mentally a little bit. It's been a lot for our guys, but I have not gotten a call yet from our uh, from our league office, which I have them on speed dial here. Uh, everyone tests in the league on Sunday and Tuesday, so I don't think any hiccups happened on Sunday, so it's looking like we're, we're going to play just Saturday, but Definitely need to use this time to, to heal up uh, in some, some positions in some areas, uh, but also take another step forward in a few defensive errors and in, in execution as well. Well, it's uh, the last time we talked, we were getting ready for an impromptu home-and-home home series with UNC Greensboro. Um, when you played the opener at Jerry Richardson Stadium, you didn't know you were going to turn around and play them again because that changes the dynamic a little bit when you've got to play a team. So let's kind of get past the home game, which was a, a pretty well-fought game, but Greensboro turned it on in the end and pulled out the win at Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium. And then all of a sudden, you and Wes Miller get together um, and decide, hey, let's play two. Kind of tell us, first of all, how that came about behind the scenes with you able to schedule a rematch just a couple of days later. Yeah, it really started before the game. One of our players mentioned that a opposing team that Greensboro was going to play, I think it was Mercer, may have gone into quarantine again. And if that happened, could we play Greensboro again Saturday instead of playing, you know, a non-conference game, a filler game? So I had called the league office and they said they were waiting on some pending results. But after the game, uh, Wes and I, you know, exchanged some, some thoughts and ideas and just said, hey, we got to get some games in if we can. So we took advantage of it. I got three or four texts from opposing head coaches in the league that were like, man, that, that was smart of you guys to do that. And I think that's the stance most coaches are taking in the league right now is it's more coordinating with each other to see if it works logistically as well as schedule wise, but we're all going to have to bend a little bit and be flexible. And, you know, we certainly were, we were not full strength and we went up there and uh, didn't use that as an excuse. We just played and thankfully came out with a win. Yeah. That game, um, that first half was a rock fight as Tom Henson likes to say 16 to 15 at halftime. And uh, it kind of reminded me of, your first conference game last year when we went on the road at East at East Tennessee State, and I believe it was 20 to 18 it happened. None of the Wofford starters had scored in that one. In Greensboro, were there things that you saw in the first half, despite the problems offensively, uh, that were correctable 
And of course, you couldn't complain about the defense in the first half, kind of taking in that transition at halftime down 16 to 15 at the Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah, I, for us, it's valuing the basketball as a young team, learning how to value the basketball, time and score, staying with a possession for a long time. You know, we're number one in the whole country, our conference in offensive efficiency. And certainly in that game, you wouldn't have thought so. But sticking with the game plan of moving the ball, screening for each other and stressing team scores is something that we've been we've been trying to buy into as much as we can instead of feeling like we can swing for the home run cut every time. And I think at that halftime, we were defending well. We were way more connected than we were at home versus Greensboro defensively. We just weren't capitalizing off misses like we usually do in transition. We weren't capitalizing, moving the ball side to side, inside out. So we did that. I thought we came out of the half much better. Storm hit a few good buckets, uh, and we scored off some turnovers in transition. And, you know, certainly we made enough plays to get out of there with a win. Yeah, uh, there were some big plays at the end, obviously. Things that don't show up in the stat sheet. But, again, youth, freshmen coming up big. Max Klesman hits clutch free throws at the end. Uh, great defensive play. Uh by the whole team, but 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 especially when uh, they try to hit the three at the end, and you guys basically don't let them get a decent shot off. Um, does it take a while for the young guys not to buy into the system? That's not how I want to phrase it, but to understand the benefits of the things that you and your staff teach day in and day to practice. I guess hearing it is one thing, but seeing it is a whole nother level. Uh, you're hundred percent right. I mean, we can, we can yell and scream and teach until we're blue in the face and we can show illustrations of previous Wofford teams and how it's been done as well as examples across the country. And the, the good thing is our guys are eager to learn They're sponges, but it does take that game experience. You know, we decided not to foul in that Greensboro game up three because, you know, uh, Isaiah Miller's a veteran guard. He's going to flop and get a three-point play. And we have a bunch of freshmen out there guarding with Storm and Trey. So we decided not to. And that was the thing we had discussed was, uh, you know, not putting in the chance of them going to the free throw line, having bigger rebounders to knock the ball out, maybe uh, bring losing in the equation. So we decided to use those two timeouts to be really simple and, uh, thankful our guys are getting better at listening in timeouts and, and executing those things yeah end of game scenarios are something that, that is fascinating to me and we'll talk more about that because it came down to a similar situation at vmi as well how much of your end game philosophy is born out of your experience with mike young and we know about coach young who was almost never would call that timeout at the end of a game prefer to let it play out or how much have you brought your own philosophy maybe even with other coaches you've worked with in the past do you kind of have some hard fast rules about you how you handle certain end game situations or do you have to go by feel much of the time yeah it's it's much more about our roster one and my field two and you know last year you remember I had to call some timeouts with that group uh one was at Greensboro you know with eight seconds to go and we decided to call a timeout uh we called a timeout in the tournament versus Chattanooga. Uh, and it has a lot to do with your opposing defense, who you're going up against, you know. Uh, but 
for me, it's it's much more of our roster. I trust Storm wholeheartedly. I want the ball in his hands. I think everybody knows that. He's proven time and time again. But if you have a freshman point guard, your philosophy is going to have to change a little bit. Um, we'd all like to be as coaches, having all seniors and juniors, that you have your philosophy be the same all the way through. But you got to adjust as a coach. And that goes with feel as well and the opposing defense. If a team's going to set up a press or change a defense or set up a zone after a timeout, you're better off teaching your guys how to play and spread the floor and make good decisions to get your best shot. So we certainly did that at Greensboro. And obviously with VMI, we did uh, somewhat of the same. Yeah, we're about to find that out for those of you who may have missed what took place in Lexington, Virginia a, a little while ago. When we come back, more road games, more road warriors, and one of the best Wofford basketball finishes you will ever see. That's coming up next on the Coach Jay McCauley Show. Hey, welcome back, Jim Noble, Jay McCauley. We can't watch that sequence enough. Uh, the game winner from Storm Murphy uh, with about 1.3 seconds left after they put some time back on the clock. Um, Jay, before we get into the sequence after that, we've seen this from, from this guy. We saw it at Mercer a against Mercer a couple of years ago. We saw it Samford, I think, a couple of years ago. Then last year in the tournament, Chattanooga, the, the, the Southern Conference semifinal, You've already talked about how comfortable you are with the ball in Storm Murphy's hands at the end of the game scenario. But why is he so good? Uh, it just it goes all the way back to his childhood, I think, of him dreaming about those moments. There's certain guys that just constantly work on those things in their driveway. And then he's put a lot of work into his game over the years. And uh, I think he alluded to that on your post-game show of, He's been taking those shots his whole life and, and visualizing that. And that's a big part of it, the confidence component. So certainly he's got a lot of confidence. Uh, the other team knows it's going to be in his hands and they have trouble dealing with that. And we have a lot of confidence as a staff and as a team with the ball in his hands. So that'll continue here as long as he uh, wears a Wofford uniform. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Dan Earl, the head coach, came up to us after the game. He goes, Murphy graduates this year, right? And we were like, yeah, coach, but, you know, you don't know with these new rules. and this being a That was the worst news Dan got except <laughs> for the final score. He's like, oh, my goodness, I may have to face this guy again, but who knows what the future will hold in that regard. I want to ask you, after the basket, BMI's got the ball, still got a chance down two. You called a couple of timeouts. You got to yeah. see how they lined up. At that point, are you saying – Look, if you can go the length of the court at 1.3 seconds and, and, and hit a three-point shot over a defense that's set, I tip your hat to you. Yeah, so if, if you go back, we, we obviously, 77-77, we run a play to get a foul, and we make a very poor decision in the paint. They go down. We didn't handle some things very well, missed the block out of the free throw line, fouled, but we got to stop, and I decided not to call a timeout for all the reasons we just talked about with Storm, uh, to make a play. So I had two timeouts. So I wanted to set our defense up uh, as much as we could. Now, some some people don't like doing that. With our young team, I do, uh, because they could run a play where we're not matched up and, you know, only up two, a three beats you. So I wanted to see how they lined up. They were going to put uh, the big fella down there against our freshman. I decided to call another timeout and sandwich those guys and switch everything up to uh, face guard their best shooter. 
and certainly they got a heave at half court, uh, which will take uh, over a, a long pass to the paint. And obviously with fouling and all that stuff coming into play, we were able to avoid that. So that was the logic behind that. And our guys executed that very well and credit to them for listening and, and executing the game plan. Well, it was a two-point win, obviously, on the road. Every Southern Conference road win is money in the bank at this point. One last postscript on VMI. Trey Hollowell had a couple of rough shooting nights in, in both Greensboro games. And I think it kind of got lost in the frenzy at the end. The trade was five for five, all threes in, in Lexington. Tell us a little bit more about what a shooter goes through, how you try to help a guy through a slump. It was a mini slump for Trey, uh, but he's a senior. He's been through this before. Is there a let him shoot his way out of it mindset, or is there a uh, something different that you guys like to go to? Because whatever happened, it sure worked in Lexington. Yeah, um, you know, he was going through some physical stuff uh, like a lot of guys in the country are right now. No one's 100% healthy, but he was really banged up, but refused to not let that deter him from playing. And so, you know, that obviously affected his shooting, I think, more than his, his, his shooting slump, if you want to call it. He's shooting 44% from three in league play. And that's what I choose to remind him and our team that he is the best shooter in the league, that he has a next play mentality, that he is always working on his game and he makes big shots and big moments and certainly had some timely threes at VMI. That's what you've got to lean on uh, your veteran guys on the road when guys don't know what to expect at places like VMI at Greensboro uh, and certainly at Chattanooga. And he's been terrific over his career of having confidence no matter where he plays. So we're going to continue to ride Trey Hollowell. He is a great shooter and uh, a few bad shooting games isn't going to deter him or our confidence in him. And had seven rebounds in that game too. That's yeah. something that, that can't be overlooked the way your guards are coming back and rebounding and things like that. It's been impressive to watch. And then on to Chattanooga. Long bus ride. You guys are used to these long bus rides after a while. It seems like we haven't played at home in forever. Um, the Mock's a funny team. It seems like they, they always are. They always have a changing cast of characters. Got off to a fantastic start in non-conference play. Um, preparing for a team like that. Uh, they lose David Jean Baptiste. They welcome David Jean Baptiste back. They get a guy, Darius Banks, and who plays one game and, and does great. You, you've got, maybe you had some tape on him from his days at James Madison, where he was a thousand career sport point scorer, but not a particularly deep team. So going into the game at Chattanooga, what did you expect? Well, the previous three or four games were completely different schematically, like press offense, switching defenses and zones. So we had to get back to playing somebody kind of like ourselves, which you know, for us is our, our wheelhouse, our comfort zone. So we spent the days kind of preparing for that, of getting back to executing some man-to-man -man stuff and screening for each other and trying to really guard a, a talented and well-coached Chattanooga team. They are a high-octane offense. And we had some issues in the first half, and I think we really simplified things for our guys in terms of what was going to win the game was holding them in 60s, or less, which they really don't ever get held to that. And that's kind of like our message with Mercer, right? Mercer and Chattanooga really put points on the board. So we had to 
set the tone defensively, and we thought winning the glass would win the game. And that shifted at halftime significantly. Guys made plays. We feed off our defense, and uh, certainly was an explosion there in the second half that we uh, we got out of there. All right, one of these days, Tom Henson and I are going to sneak a microphone into the locker room at halftime and not tell you because whatever you're saying at halftime, it is working. Did you keep it short and sweet, or did you have some pointed remarks going in down 13? You know, I, I, I've learned from some really good uh, mentors, and a young, a younger version of me may have handled some of those things differently in frustration. And I think our guys were anticipating that, and I tried to go at them a different way in a more positive way that we were going to win that game if X, Y, and Z happens. Simple. And rebounding was number one. Valuing the ball was number two. And the last one is just having a swagger about you, an attitude about you, which you could see our shoulders were dropping a little bit on mistakes and scores that they had and easy scores. We were not perfect in the second half, but we took care of those three things. And I didn't need to go in there and yell and scream. I just needed to challenge some guys. And thankfully, we have a core group of older guys that also challenged each other. And uh, we rallied around each other, and we got out of there collectively with a win. And, and much like the previous four or five games, seems like it's a different hero every night. Morgan Safford really stepped up. Not the only star of the game, certainly a collective team effort. But he's gotten so much more aggressive offensively, Jay. I think in the last maybe two yeah. or three games, he's always been strong defensively. Just kind of got to harness that a little bit. How did you like his progression, especially on in that last second half? Yeah, his confidence is growing. He knows he's got to be the X factor for us. Uh, I tell him it all the time. He's the key to our season uh, because he's so smart. We talked about that in the post game. He's so talented. Yeah, he may be playing a little bit out of position, but we're a positionless team anyways. But you see his confidence growing with each game offensively. We need to see that confidence grow defensively as well uh, in terms of not fouling and giving us some things that he can with his IQ on the court. But he's shooting around 40% from three in league play, almost 50% from two, which has almost doubled what he did in the non-conference. If his confidence can continue to grow and he – he continues to work really, really hard these next few months. He's going to be an outstanding uh, position for us coming down the home stretch. And finally, I've never seen a player more excited to get ready for a piece of cheesecake in my life. Tell us about the snack time that turned into cheesecake time. What was your go-to uh, flavor? Because I need to know, because there's really only one correct answer to this, and I want to see if you know it. Well, heck, I mean, uh, you want to ask what I said at halftime. I just held that over their head. Threatened <laughs> them. I said, hey, there ain't no any snacks, cheesecake. You better start rebounding the ball. Uh, but, no, our guys, when they heard that, they that was they were more excited about that than the win. I think uh, so. But for me, I'm a huge cheesecake fan. I'm sure you guys can tell by seeing my picture. But uh, <laughs> I, I like original cheesecake, but I had the marble, which was outstanding, and that, that whole – that whole setup was great for our guys. They enjoyed the ride back with that. Okay. Your trainer, Elise Hart, said the only correct answer is turtle cheesecake. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. We're going to we'll be there next year. So just put that in your back pocket. We'll be ready for it. All right. When we come back, as Jay and I said earlier, a week off and then Western Carolina on the docket for Saturday back at Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium. We'll look ahead to the next few games and talk more about the Southern Conference 
on how things are developing with the standings coming up next on the Jay McCauley Show brought to you by R.J. Rogers. And welcome back to the Coach Jay McCauley Show. Jay, you finally get to uh, get rid of the hotel cards for a while and uh, get back home to Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium. Western Carolina coming to town. The Catamounts 0-3 in the conference. Mark Prosser has had to deal with a lot of things with the protocols and personnel and cancellations and things like that. You guys are great friends, a former Whopper Terrier staff member. Uh, you know, they've got some great talent in the backcourt, as we all know. Talk about the challenge that they will present. Yeah, they're certainly not an 0-3 team, uh, and they should have beat ETSU at home at ETSU. And certainly we'll have a chance here uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday uh, for the rubber match. But uh, they present a lot of different issues. They, they have Mason Faulkner, who's one of the most premier guards in the league, who has a pro future uh, ahead of him. And he gave us fits last year. And Halverson's always a dynamic guard, an experienced guard. And they've added so much length and athleticism around those guys that they, they like to get out and run, makes and misses, which we have not handled very well in transition defense this year. we got to be better. And uh, we'll use the next three or four days to set our jaw for, for that matchup, um, the transition defense, the ball screen defense, and continue to work on the things we need to to help our confidence grow. So uh, we're looking forward to playing them. They've had a lot of issues, just like most teams, of starts and stops. But uh, – they won't be uh, feeling sorry for themselves coming in here. I know that. Are they a different type of team without having that safety valve? They'll be able to drop it into Carlos Dunlap when, when the shot clock's winding down. Or, you know, I, I think Steger, who graduated, is a big loss for them on the outside. Has Mark had to change the style of their team? Or are they still playing the Catamount basketball that we remember from last year? It's pretty much the same. Uh, Cork, who is a sophomore, has improved significantly with Dotson graduating. Uh, he's not as good of a uh, maybe a, a passer, but he is aggressive. He's he's a you know a guy that definitely demands some attention in terms of post doubling and things like that. And they go to, through him a lot. Uh, but the other element is is just Faulkner and and Halverson, and without Steger being their stretch four. They do have a few guys that can knock down threes, but uh, they're pretty much playing the same same style, running hard on makes and misses. So we'll have to we'll have to put that fire out early. Yeah, and, and down the road after that one, you, you get back on the road for a, a game down at Charleston against the Citadel, and and obviously things go from there. Let's talk about the conference a little bit. Um, hey, look, you know, anytime it's Furman and Wofford at the top of the standings, which it is right now, that kind of galvanizes everybody's attention of anybody that wears black and gold. And it's kind of funny because you'll, you'll end up playing Greensboro twice, Mercer twice, I think somebody else twice before you even have your first game against the, the Paladins. I know, I know I'm looking way down the road because that's what, that's what people like us do, but Furman has played very, very well. They've kind of held off every challenge that's been thrown at them so far. It seems like. Yeah. Another talented, uh, group of teams in the Southern Conference, probably the most balanced we've been. And uh, you see the scores every night, every game's close for the most part. So you gotta you gotta just keep it one game at a time. And obviously we'll play Sanford, Mercer and Greensboro twice before we play them. But there's a lot of ball left to be played. We got 12 games left and we just gotta continue to stay in the moment and working on ourselves. And you know, the rest will take care of itself as they say. 
if you were outside observer Jay McCauley and not Whopper basketball coach Jay McCauley, who would be the biggest surprise team of the conference so far? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think there's a lot of good teams. I, I have so much respect for VMI. And I think they're a really talented bunch and well coached. And, you know, for whatever reason, they get seated lower, which nobody really cares about until the end of the day you play and the, and, and the season plays out. But I think VMI is one of the top teams in the league. I really do. And uh, they present a lot of problems. They've got a lot of firepower. Parham is terrific, as we found out. But there's other other teams that are playing well, you know, uh, also. And uh, that's what's going to make for a great Southern Conference season. And, again, we're just going to try to collect as many as we can along the way and stay healthy. Last question, and I think we've touched upon this a little bit in the past, but but as far as, you know, all these road wins piling up, you know, 4-0 in the conference on the, on the road, um, you know, we always used to, back when life was normal, we'd say try to try to hold serve at home and try to split your games on the road. Um, I'm looking at some stats around college basketball, and home wins are down across the country. And obviously you talk about the lack of atmosphere and the lack of home crowds. I think there's one exception. I think the ACC, they're up. So we can, uh, we can look at that, that, that aberration, but is there something to that where everybody's kind of in the same boat, even the, even the schools, the SoCon schools that have fans available don't have that many of them. So you've just been on the road for, you know, four games in conference. Is it easier to win the on the road, or does that all get blacked out once the once the ball goes up in the air? Yeah, it's it's never easy to win. Period. Let alone on the road. However, I do think the atmosphere or lack thereof plays a part into it. There's not as many distractions. I do think the the home thing across the country being down, the home records may have something to do with guys just really want to get off campus. I mean, they're isolated. They are. They're always there, and uh, that's certainly not the case for us. We've, we've played well at home this year, and hopefully that continues. But I do think there's some elements that are different this year that may play a part into that. Hopefully that road uh, streak continues, and we'll, uh, we'll continue to play well at both home and away. Yeah, stacking pennies right now with those road wins. You don't look at it maybe one at a time, but boy, when you you are halfway through the season or we get ready for conference time, those those wins are huge. We certainly hope we can keep it going. Jay, we always have fun with these. Can't wait till we can do it in person again someday, but we will see you Saturday at Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium. As always, thanks for your time and uh, keep it rolling. Thanks, and we'll uh, we'll look forward to having everybody tuning in at 4 p.m. on Saturday. That's going to be the new game time, 4 p.m., and uh, we're uh, we're going to be hard at work this week. So hope everyone's safe and well, and appreciate you having me, Jim. All right, for Coach Jay McCauley, I'm Jim Noble. As always, thanks for watching the Jay McCauley Show, brought to you by RJ Rockers. We'll see you next time.